Aloha, foilers. Welcome to another episode of Foil the World podcast. I'm your host, Brian Finch, and today's special guest is Nathan Choi. You can follow Nathan on Instagram at Nathan, S-C-H-E-U. Nathan is an excellent wing foiler, sort of North Jack's resident wing, uh, you know, wing king, let's say. A um, lot of years in wind sports, um, also very proficient prone foiler. And uh, let's get into the show. What's up, Nate? All right, got the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Only took me six tries there, audience. (laughs) Should do a bloop, blooper reel for sure. Absolutely. Um, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I uh, I've, I enjoy any kind of foiling and uh, wing foiling, surf foiling, any kind of podcast that relates to foiling. So I'm really stoked to be a part of it and uh, help other people enjoy more podcasts about foiling. Beauty, man. Love it. Um, Nathan is also my neighbor, my friend, and my neighbor lives about 10 houses down on the other end of the block. Um, so it's great having a, having a bro nearby. Gav dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so Nate, tell me about your non-surf background. Uh, yeah, so I'm originally from Indiana um, and uh, growing up there until my mid-teens. Um, I did a lot of uh, riding BMX bikes, m- motocross, like not actual motocross, but dirt bikes, motorcycles, uh, and skateboarding. And took a uh, a windsurf lesson right before I moved to Florida, and it was completely crap wind. I couldn't even hardly pull the sail up, and uh, it wasn't very productive. But that was my first um, experience into the wind. What? How old were you? And what? What kind of miles an hour are we talking? Um, <clears throat> back then, I really not sure about the the wind speed. Um, but it was pretty glassy, so I'd say five to ten, and I was about thirteen. Right. So this is the first time I've I've asked you about wind speed, and you, and you hesitated. Like you are a human. <laughs> what is it? Not barometer, but wind meter. Yeah. Wind meter, man. It's incredible. <laughs> I, you know, the number of times Nate's like, ah, I'd probably use a five. I'm like, nah, four, and then go out and can't get up, and it's it's you are, uh, dude. You got wind in your veins, man. Yeah, just uh, you know. A lot of time trying to, you know, find enough wind to go play around. So tell me about your your windsurf or windsport background. Uh, Yeah. So like I said, you know, I tried an initial windsurf lesson when I was like 13 um, before I moved to Florida. And then once I moved to Florida, um, I got into surfing a lot, kind of gave up on skateboarding and, uh, you know, falling on water is a lot softer than falling on concrete or a, a ramp or something. So, um, and then I saw kiteboarding in about 2000, um, the early two thousands. And I got a trainer kite online, um, with people who aren't familiar with the trainer kite. It's a really small little two line kite, kind of like a stunt kite, but it looks more like a ram air or foil kite. And that's what you like learn on just standing on the beach, right? Yeah. It's not for boards, just. Yeah. Yeah. It has a bar 
okay. you know, with two lines. So you basically learn how to steer it through the wind, basically. So, you know, uh, it's like a simulator for flying a bigger, you know, power kite that you would, you know, jump and ride waves and okay. stuff like that on. Training wheels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and then um, about 2004, I've got, I got my first kiteboarding kite um, from a local shop in St. Augustine. And there was one instructor in St. Augustine that kept blowing me off, you know, like, oh, it's not enough wind, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, now I, now I understand that I've done it, <laughs> you know, for years that he was probably right. So I just went and basically taught myself and just dove in and yeah. And it was, it was sketchy <laughs> from the stories I hear, you know, I, I don't, I know very little about, um, kite surfing and, and, anything other than a wing i guess an inflatable wings that's, that's the extent of my uh wind you know wind sport experience but kite mares are entertaining stories they sound really scary and you know stories of you know guys getting flung up onto the ground and through objects solid objects and even just being hurled you know from the air to the water at high speeds and yeah you know kind of like pendulum yeah. type type of force forces being snapped into the into objects absolutely and that, that's one reason i love wing foiling so much um because that is not really an issue you just let go yeah exactly <laughs> just let go <laughs> your wing you know unless you're purposefully doing something you know dangerous like jumping off a dune in 40 mile an hour winds and trying to use it as a hang glider <laughs> then you're relatively safe you know what i mean versus a kite you know, I get that question all the time, you know, like what's the difference between this and that, you know, why do you do this over that? And that's one of the main things is the wing can't pick you up and body slam you basically into the ground, you know, or just drop you like a rock, like your parachute just collapsed or something, you know? All right. Um, so when did you, when did you pick up the foil and, and the wing? Uh, so, <clears throat> or why too? What, <clears throat> what enticed you? I guess uh, foiling I should start with because that was that was my natural progression. Um, I started, I was first experience, uh, introduced to foiling in uh, Jupiter, Florida at a, a demo we were doing there with F1 and Jupiter Kiteboarding. Uh, Damien Leroy and uh, Jeremy Green both had foils from Lyft. They were some of their very first ones that were for kite foiling. Um, and kite foiling had already been around, but it was basically just racing foils, like really long mast, like 500 square centimeter foils, like high speed machines. Right. And I've um, been passed by a group of those in La Ventana. Yeah. I think I mentioned before, but the, just the speed that came flying by me when I thought I was going fast it blew my mind. Yeah. The, it's, yeah. It's, it's, and, you know, learning on those kind of foils, you take some hard hits being 95 plus centimeters off the water and going 20 to 30 miles an hour. Yeah. This is whiplash city. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. I saw a couple of good stacks when I was in, in, uh, Laventon as well. I was like, yes, yeah, I don't know if that's for me. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, uh, I, I, uh, gave it a go, um, and failed miserably. <laughs> they just said, ride the board flat. And I thought, they meant like flat, like rail to rail, not nose to tail. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just kept completely eating it every time I tried to take off. 
never thought I would be able to do it. Um, and then um, my friend Billy ended up getting a foil from Jeremy because they were really hard to get at the time. Um, and I think they were like 600 square centimeters. I don't know what they, I know they measure them in, you know, square inches, but that's roughly the size they were. And, um, my friend Billy got one, um, and let me borrow it a couple of times to try it and still failed miserably. And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this, you know? And, uh, then, um, that was like 2014. Um, and then after failing miserably for a couple tries the first year or so I finally was like all right I, I want to get into this for light wind because with kites and foiling that's basically what it was all about like that was the light wind weapon like you can't compare um, riding a foil to like a, a directional or a kiteboard or anything that's attached to the surface like a surfboard or anything like that because of the drag so that really opens up the light wind possibilities so on days where you previously can't can't go out at all yeah or you're just going so slow it's not really any fun you know and you really don't know have enough power to jump or you have to you'd have to use like a huge kite like 17 meters plus in let's say 10 miles an hour 10 to 15 to even have any fun and it's such a big kite that if it does pick up then you're in trouble because then it's trying to take off with you so it's you know it, it wasn't for like beginners um, and we get a lot of light wind here and, um, foiling was, it was starting to take off a little bit more. So I was like, you know, I, I gotta, I really want to try to get on, um, get into this. So eventually I just decided to buy my own setup. Um, and it was an 800 square centimeter with a 95 centimeter mass and F1, one of their kite foils and boards. And, uh, I just, you know, was like, I'm going to learn this no matter what. And I figured if I buy my own gear, then that'll force me to, you know, use it because I, I don't want it sitting around collecting dust. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting it. So Sink or swim. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forwarding a bit today, you're an amazing wing, uh, wing, wing foiler and you're an F1 tech, tech rep and ambassador for them as well. How long have you been um, riding in on the F1 gear? Uh, yeah, I started with F1 in 2012, at the end of 2012, uh, doing sales for the East Coast, Southeast. Um, and um, so um, basically starting the 23 season. Um, and I uh, did that for about five years and then uh, switched over to more of an ambassador tech rep position. Uh, doing demos and events and uh, stuff like that. Um, and yeah, still with him as to this day. Nice. So you're one of the OG, you know, foilers, wingers in general up in, up in North, North Florida, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, first dude or one of the first? One of the first, yeah, with the, with the kite foiling and stuff. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I, and yeah, I guess SUP and surf foiling as well. Uh, describe the foiling landscape up here in North Florida. I'm still, you know, uh, haven't ridden all the spots, you know, I'm still, still kind of discovering there's, you know, there's quite a bit of distance between here and Georgia still on the coast. Yeah. And then I've, haven't really foiled South of, um, the, uh, the 
what, Rocket Coast? The Space Coast. Space Coast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm such a Florida noob. <laughs> Transplant alert. Um, but yeah, can you describe this area, how the wind is, the setups, the swells? <clears throat> yeah. Um, here in Northeast Florida, um, you know, a, it's a lot like the rest of Florida. We don't get a lot of waves. Um, they're usually driven by fronts uh, or hurricanes. And um, it's the same with the winds. We do get summertime sea breeze effect from like, you know, thermal convection, just, you know, the land heating up and the, the cool air funneling in. Uh, but it's usually not super strong as you've experienced, maybe 10 to 20, more like 10 to 15 usually. Um, I'm and, notorious for taking out too small of a board and too small of a wing and too small of a foil. I know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, you know, I know other people like that. Andrew was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, but you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, pushing your limits, you know, finding your, your comfort zone and, you know, you, you don't know until you go. For me, coming from Hawaii, I'm like, what's a six meter wing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, never use that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, we've got uh, a lot of sandbar style waves um, where it can be too shallow sometimes, as you're familiar with. Oh, yeah. <laughs> where you're basically standing on the sandbar and trying to jump and, and, into the yeah. wave that's <laughs> leaping into a wave, trying to get on foil before it you know, it goes totally dry. Yeah, exactly. Before it flattens out, there's no more wave. And, uh, so, um, we've got, you know, uh, um, other areas, um, you know, a couple different jetties and inlets and stuff like that. that can be really well. Um, and the, you know, we've got scraps or I forgot what we were calling. We've got a river that we can ride in it also. Oh, chums. Yeah. Our chums. new spot. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that in a minute. But I, I have a question. Are is there are there any spots in maybe in Florida Florida in general, but are there any spots with like cobblestones, reefs, anything it's just sand everywhere. It's still I'm getting used to it. It kind of blows my mind. But there's no like I mean, just jetties and piers and not cobblestones, um, but there are some places in South Florida, like south of Melbourne, more by Satellite Beach. I think it's called Reef Road, and they do have some rock reef down there, but it's pretty deep, so it usually only breaks on the bigger swells, like hurricanes or right. um, northeasters or something like that. It drives me nuts that not that I want to like get cut up on the reef, but just that it's just sand. It's yeah. always sand. Yeah. Always sand. It always has that beach break effect, you know. But yeah, our inlets are a godsend because they're they're kind of like sand bottom reefs that you know they shift around and stuff but yeah exactly yeah those are i like those yeah (laughs) um our new spot chums we're the first is to to foil it i think so i know there's the uh homeboy the oc1 paddler and uh i forget who the other guy was do you remember jamie's i think that guy's name is jamie and there was yeah chris mulstay chris mulstay yeah Yeah. that's right yeah and you know um, me and Chris actually, back when we were working at Black Creek Outfitters before they closed doing e-foil lessons there, um, we did take the e-foils out there once oh. from the boat ramp okay. and saw another e-foiler on the other side e-foiling. You know what? <clears throat> I'll be more specific because we're the first guys to score, I think, downwinders. Yes. In, at Chums. Well, 
Eric and Mike did attempt it that one day. On yeah, the they ski. didn't score. Okay. That was it. It wasn't like what we had. And we told them about it. Yeah. <laughs> We're the pioneers down there. Rubbing it in. Yeah. No, I, I guess I'm trying to like clout myself up or something. But no, I'm just like so excited for the spot. So for the listeners, we we found a spot. We call it Chums because it literally the the sand uh, where you get in was just lined with fish carcass. And it was a little creepy because the water is brown and nasty and slimy mud bottom. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, dude. So we, we've had our eye on this spot and finally figured out, okay, it needs this direction wind. It needs this, you know, tidal flow. Um, and it creates a, an absolute like hood river effect. And uh, don't let me forget to explain what I mean by that in a second. But we were setting up. I'm slow to set up. But you were taking forever. Like I'm always the last guy, but you, somehow you beat me that day. I'm Captain Slow, man. You didn't. I well, thought I'm, you knew that. I'm Lord Slow. <laughs> like I'm always the last guy, but you beat me that day. Um, and uh, I was and secretly so I, waiting for you to go. It worked. <laughs> go out there. It worked. You guinea pig me. You guinea pig me. It worked because I'm not patient. And so yeah, I had my stuff. I it was kind of a bit of a walk down to the to the shoreline. Um. And then I waited for another like 10 minutes at the shore because I'm looking at all these fish carcass and the, the you know, the current looks like it's going 12 miles plus an hour. is like absolutely ripping. The wind is, what was it, 30, 30 plus? Yeah, like, I think it was like 20 to 35 that day. Yeah, it was. So the wind is cranking, a little intimidating. We had never been out there and mostly because like just don't want to get sucked straight out to sea. Um, but I got in and we had to kind of go through um, a little bit of a keyhole and I tried to paddle, you know, up current a bit to to get around, so I didn't get uh, uh, just to get around the dock. Yeah, and you don't want to get drug into it. With yeah, gear. but I did anyway. You uh, did. Well, I had I paddled up, and momentarily, I, my leash was all was too loose, and because uh, a gust came and it pulled, and I felt like the cuff kind of like halfway down my hand. I was like, oh, whoa, let me tighten this up. And just in like the twenty seconds to tighten that cuff, I got sucked all the way into the little like by the docks and I had to like miss that you missed it. I don't know where you were. (laughs) And so I had to like full on belly paddle, like, and like pulling my wing against the current, against the, the wind and, uh, and got around like the dock and I actually had to push off with my legs. So I didn't get like completely sucked into the dock, but came around the side and, and literally just, you know, put my feet in the straps, put the wing into the wind and it just yanked me right up on a foil and, 20 feet off of, off of that start point, it was right in, hooked right into these insane, beautiful downwind swells. Yeah. Yeah. I would say they were probably at least chest high, shoulder high. Yeah. There was, it was, it was pretty mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. There was some good, there's different sections. Like there was, you know, lumps the whole way, but there's like almost like sandbars that were magnified and yeah, you, you see like sets coming and dropping in these sets. So what I mean by the Hood River effect, um, you have uh, the current going one direction, opposing the wind, and it makes the waves stand up. And it does something else that's uh, really unique and special is that your relative speed is different than your your water speed. So the the distance you're traveling is so much slower than the actual speed in the water that you're foiling. And it how how far is that from top of the key where we're starting the furthest up to the where we're ending like our longest runs is that a mile is that two miles 
I would closer say to a, two. I was going to say probably about a mile. About a mile. So <clears throat> that mile like takes well over 10 minutes to ride 12 minutes. I don't know. So with the current moving against you, like it's really long, gratifying runs. Well, um, I feel like, you know, we weren't going straight that entire mile, like the exact opposite, you know, like yeah. we're basically riding from one side of the river to the other almost. And zigzagging and turning the yeah. whole way. Yeah. It was so carvable, so beautifully carvable. I would say we were probably getting two mile rides with all the carving and you know back and forth right. going on in that one mile stretch right yeah yeah, yeah. Absolutely. like doubles your ride basically yeah huh? it's unreal and then the other thing that really blew my mind uh was how fast you could get back up uh down river i was surprised by that too good like <laughs> one mile tax basically i yeah. remember like getting back where we started with one big long tack like crossing i don't think i've ever gone that much into the wind having that current you know help you right i've never ridden in that much current you know um yeah and i, I that that really surprised me that it, the effect it has on the upwind angles so i would say we were like 70 30 70 percent on foil maybe 30 percent yeah just to get back because it was just so fast to get back to top of the key and start the yeah. downwind run like again. you said like hardly any tax you know like maybe one you right. know, like <laughs> on our longest ones well you're the tack master so on the longest ones i was doing two sometimes three but like you could go nearly yeah half mile or more like in one tack yeah. which is ridiculous yeah if you started on the far side and rode upwind you could basically make it all the way back and you, then you end could. up on the near side well <laughs> yeah. i got three quarter for me but yeah you, yeah totally <laughs> It's not the first time you left me in the dust, like switch footing and just blasting up. It's the toe side. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, and I'm proud of my toe side. I, I feel like I have a pretty solid like you, you rip toe side. Toe side. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, I need to learn to keel side both ways because I see it, just, I, you know, I've, I've seen you what you can do. And it's makes incredible. you much more efficient. Right. You know, especially when you're catching waves and swells. Right. Which is what we love to do. Yeah. The end goal. Um what else about that day? Uh, we, you know, we surfed our brains out like three hours straight, right? Yeah. It was like, yeah, we just, dude, I was nuked at the end of that. It was interesting how, you know, we timed it right in the middle of the tide to get that strongest pull, you know, in, in the current. And it was interesting how right when the tide bottomed out, like the swell just went away pretty much you yeah know? like it, it constantly faded throughout the session but we both instinctively just started heading back to our launch spot because yeah. it was like yeah in the blink of an eye you could you could instantly start feeling it. i was like whoa well yeah these are these are sitting down these are even with the wind super strong the bumps were not yeah, yeah. the bumps were not forming and that was a you know an extra kind of proof of concept um yeah extra yeah. proof of concept I, I suppose well and the interesting thing about that spot is you know i think we've both seen it many times on the way back from our other spot yeah on the ferry that we take back and forth across this river that we're riding that was currently shut down for maintenance and that's one of the main reasons we were able to do this without being as dangerous with you know a ferry constantly crossing the path where all the best swells are at. i don't care bro i'm going anyway <laughs> fuck the ferry i'm maybe, going maybe we'll send some guys up there with their phones to get some <laughs> video or something crossing the yeah 
you know, I'll give you 30 bucks. Just yeah. keep crossing back and forth. <laughs> some close-ups. Yeah. But yeah, I'm incredibly, that was, um, you know, top two, three downwind sessions in this area, top one or two. Cause I, I had a, had a pretty amazing, um, prone downwind run. It was my PR, my personal record, um, chipping, you know, chipping in off the shore break and on a straight south wind. It was a sustained straight south wind too. I yeah. something noticed like the straight south doesn't last that long here. It usually starts to curve southwest and then you're fighting it. And, and we uh, rarely get sustained side shore winds like straight south or north. For those that are there listening, we're on an east facing beach. So, you know, straight north or straight south would be our side winds and it's usually more side on. Fuck. So annoying. <laughs> but like you said, so there are those days where it's clocking, you know, from like southeast to southwest, and you get that brief moment where it's straight side yeah. shore, but it usually doesn't last long. Like and and a lot of times it's not long enough to really build like a nice fetch, a nice yeah. corduroy, easy going, you yeah. know, downwind session. It's, you know, that day when it was straight south, it was just one of the easiest sends I've ever done. And it was one of, it was the longest and by far the easiest just because the conditions were just so insane. And it just, uh, I guess it speaks to how, uh, you know, how conditions make it, you know, like once you have a certain amount of skill set, it's not going to get you much further when, you know, it's onshore or side shore, you know, side on and, and yeah. like, there's just not much you can do, you know, yeah. your legs can only take so much trying to battle out far the, enough offshore. That's the, you know, that's the caveat about wind sports is they're not always there, you know what I mean? And and you never really know what you're going to get. Like the wind is one of the hardest things to forecast. You know, it's harder than to harder than forecasting waves because you can see them coming a long way away. And even though you can see wind coming a long way away, it doesn't mean it's going to do the same thing when it gets to you. Right. You know, or it, even last. Or last. Matter. Or, yeah, <laughs> it can be fucking winging can be so irritating well and you know downwinding is wind dependent i think you yeah know, it's wind. it's a wind driven sport yeah and even though you're not using a sail or kite or something like that you're still depending on the wind for the good conditions you know totally and it can be so frustrating yeah but, but that's why it's so you know tasty it's so gratifying when it when does you, pay off when it pays off when yeah. it lines up and you're just stoked beyond belief yeah like i still think about that you know that downwind session that we had in the river and it it by far one of one of my top downwind runs that i've had you know and maybe one maybe the best one just because i feel like i'm constantly progressing you know right yeah so your skills are higher for for, and scored really good yeah user-friendly conditions and well and having you know the interesting thing about that where you know like I've gone out winging and do, I do many downwinders in the ocean when I'm winging with other friends, but I, if they're not doing that, I easily lose sight of them. You know what I mean? Just like I've heard about downwinding without a wing, you know, it's easy to just go your own way and lose sight of the other person. So even though you are technically doing it together, you're not, you're pretty much solo. There's no friends in downwinding. Yeah. And if that, you get the chip, you're gone. Yeah. You're like, see ya. <laughs> That's what was interesting about our session is that we were like chasing each other around, you know, because it was so stacked up, you know, and there was, you know, so many sets of waves. It was easy to jump on one, bef- 
before or after or even we shared some going yeah. across the entire river you know? unreal it's yeah it was uh you couldn't you could like just hang back and luff your wing for for the days you know for so long um you could carve the whole time if you wanted you could overtake bumps it was just so user-friendly yeah i'm still like just frothed on it and uh, a couple of weeks ago we tried to go back and i think you were out of town I think, were you in Puerto Rico? Yes. Or uh, the Keys, one of the two. Yeah, one of those two. Let's talk about those next. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, I think you said you went out there with Matt, right? Yeah, yeah. Matt. No, um, I don't know. What, one day I was just checking it back and forth, back and forth. We should have sent it in the ocean that day because there was a, you know, a window in the morning. But it was just so frothy, so hungry to catch it again because it's you know, only a couple of weeks removed from our session. And the the winds were clocking really hard. It was like almost turning on. And there was, I think there was a there was a there was a moment where I was checking the cam, and then I, I kept driving back and forth. For luckily, we live fairly within driving distance um, <laughs> to the spot, you know. And so yeah. I did did a good amount of driving that that day, and just trying to keep my eye on it. And um, and it had a like I think there was about an hour window where it would could have been pretty fun, but it wasn't wasn't the day yeah it wasn't the day but yeah the winds kept clocking it it just doesn't take much for for uh for it to turn on and to turn off you know yeah absolutely it's quick so you were you've done two two trips very recently did the keys the keys was before puerto rico yes yeah tell me about the keys uh the keys is shallow (laughs) (laughs) probably be better with like a 65 or 75 centimeter mast instead of an 85 but you know if, if that's close to the to the to the land obviously once you get out farther away it's not as shallow um and there are channels if you know where they are it was my first time foiling there i had been there a long time ago to to kiteboard but you're not really concerned with water depth and kiteboarding you just ride right over sandbars so um yeah, we were doing um, an event with uh, Other Side Board Sports, which is a, a um, kiteboarding, wing foiling, foiling shop down there in the Keys in Isla Mirada. This is a F1 event? Um, it was actually uh, the Other Side's Board Sports event. Um, we were just one of the sponsors along with some of their other brands. Oh, okay, okay, I gotcha. And um, yeah, it was really interesting. It was a three-day event the first day. Um, they had a welcome party and registration and like a freestyle expression session. They had some, uh, sliders and kickers set up for the kiteboarders. Um, they were doing some jet ski toe ups with the kiteboarders, uh, which is always fun to watch. You know, they kind of pull them up like a paraglider and then they let go and start okay. looping their kites I just around. saw that the first time on Instagram, like yeah. just a day or two ago. Yeah. And that's always, you know, it's always a, a crowd pleaser cause people enjoy watching that and, uh, Let's see the um, the second day um, they did. I believe it was. It's terrible because I wrote up. I did a write up about this. Pulling <laughs> <laughs> the plane. Is but, it? Are there waves or is it flat water? Well, that's interesting. So they had a. Um, it's mainly flat water, but if you go out far enough, um, let's say six miles offshore, the reason. Cuba. Huh. Cuba. Well, the reason why I say six miles is because they had an alligator reef lighthouse race, which is the the lighthouse is six miles offshore, so it was out and back. Okay. 
So out there, they have actually good downwind swell and stuff. It was probably, you know, waist high wind swell. Um, it was probably blowing 20 to 25 miles an hour. So um, I was trying to stay focused on making it to the objective and back and not jumping on downwind swells and getting distracted. <laughs> so attempted, huh? Yeah, Andrew we just, was doing the same thing. Let me just thing. hook into this yeah. for a few minutes. <laughs> So, um, and I hear, <clears throat> I hear that they do have, uh, some sandbars that are kind of a little farther offshore where they can have waves breaking, but I don't, I think it's still really shallow, you know, mainly just waves for playing on with a kite board or kite surfboard or something like that. Right. But so yeah, mainly just all flat water. This is central and South Florida have way better wind than this up here. Feels like, if you know, maybe this is an Instagram versus reality thing, but I feel like I'm always seeing these guys out winging, and it looks looks like they have way more wind. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's just we don't, you know, are we're not in a notoriously, you know, it's not like we have const, constant wind. Basically, it's all frontal or the sea breezes are hurricane driven usually. So it's. Um, um, you know, places that have more constant wind or usually have trade winds like Puerto Rico, for example, right. or, you know, anywhere down there. Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually more towards the equator or out in the middle, middle of the ocean or something like that, where you get a lot of constant breeze. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's probably just Instagram versus reality. It's just FOMO. Yeah. It's just, okay. <laughs> Grass is greener yeah. effect. All right. That's good enough. You know, one thing to know about South Florida versus North Florida in our area, they have a lot more seaweed. And when you're foiling, seaweed is not your friend. Seaweed's <laughs> not fun. I've, uh, <clears throat> I've done um, a handful of wake, fo- wake foil sessions in Orlando, and they've got the seagrass. And, and one little strand, you can feel it. Yeah. Just one damn strand, you can feel it, and something's a little bit off. And, and mind you, if you get two or three, you're done. You're just... I sucks. I feel like it's because in South Florida they're closer to the Gulf Stream, so it's a big current, and you know, seaweed breaks off and gets caught in the Gulf Stream, and you know, gets pushed. You know, it's easier for it to make it ashore in South Florida, where it, the Gulf Stream's a lot closer to the coast, um, and then onshore winds obviously, you know, help push the seaweed in. Right. Um, we do get some more seaweed in the summers when we have a lot more onshore winds because it'll start to push it in from out in the ocean and especially hurricanes. We get those, what are they? Cabbage jellyfish. jellyfish yeah. They're the cannonballs. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, those things will take you out. <laughs> I've had some days where you couldn't even ride through all of them. Oh, there's <laughs> yeah. They get thick and those things, they got away a couple pounds, right? They're like, uh, like a, good like a large grapefruit at least yeah in, um, in hawaii we, there, there would be a jabong we call it in hawaii is like a double-sized grapefruit but yeah we used to i used to throw them in andrew surfing <laughs> before he didn't re- before he realized they didn't sting you know like i'd pick them up hey <laughs> i didn't know they didn't sting they creep me out they're just ugh. yeah they don't really have tentacles you know what i mean like i 
I wouldn't advise picking them up from the bottom where their feet are. I'd like I'd turn them upside down and pick them up like a inverted mushroom, basically. <laughs> proper, <laughs> proper jellyfish throwing technique. It's probably uh, animal harassment or something. So maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, they, uh, you know, sometimes you can hit one. Or even two, but if it's not in a close enough succession, you can ride through them. And if I've hit plenty, just like kind of speed bump. They're like, oh, oh man, that almost got me here. Yeah. But then like there are so many at times where you hit like two, three, four, and then you're just losing <laughs> speed and you go down. And I've had, I've had, I've done a prone downwinder. It was a good 15 minute, 20 minute paddle offshore and came through a patch. And, and it was like, yeah, third one took me out. And it was, I hate those things. I've been there, man. I've. <laughs> Uh, you know, it, it seems like they're more in the summer, like this last summer is probably when you were talking about, cause that's when I experienced a bunch of them. And, uh, it seems like they're always right where the waves start to stand up too, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you're they're like right on the connection turn. Yeah. You're exactly. pumping out and you go to, and then it, you're dropping in and then here comes like the potholes. <laughs> that's what it feels totally. like riding a skateboard over a bunch of potholes, you know? Yeah. A couple of those, those prone sessions last year were, it was you couldn't foil. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's infuriating. Yeah. But yeah, take the good with the bad. Um, tell me about your Puerto Rico mission. And I appreciate your invite. I was so yeah. bummed. I had other commitments. But uh, yeah, I, I, I know very little about it. Um, but how'd it go? I know I, I, in, I know it's considered a little Hawaii. You know, I've seen videos and all that kind of stuff. And I know the waves get, you know, nice and heavy. They're, you know, goes from deep to shallow water. And they also have a lot of wind, um, and that's about all I know. Have you ever been there? No, nice. That's why yeah. I don't know anything Dude, about it. <laughs> you gotta come with us one time. It uh, so uh, this was my second trip to Puerto Rico. the The first trip I was on the northwest coast, um, where it's a little more wild and not developed, um, and there's a pretty good, um, well known kite surfing wave there. Um, I'm not going to name it out of respect, but, uh, they, um, I, I have, I had a friend that had a house right there on the beach. And, um, the first time I went there, it's funny that you mentioned about how they, it can be really big. Um, we were there for two weeks and I think three days, three or four days, we had to stay out of the water. Cause it was like the swell of the decade. This was in 20, the beginning of 2020, January 2020th, and you could probably go back through like surfer magazines and stuff and see the swell that hit Puerto Rico, but it was like, I don't know, 30 feet or something crazy, you know, like it was, there was nobody in the world, no locals or anything. Like uh, it was that's just a hard pass. massive. Yeah. yeah. We just watched, walked around watching blowholes erupt and stuff, you know, <laughs> like, so, but, um, that was right when I was getting into foiling, I actually took a foil and I did some prone foiling while I was there. Uh, but that area has a very shallow reef, um, at the kite spot. So I stayed away from that and, um, more towards a little bit deeper reef. And it's kind of very close to where lifts located. I actually met Mike out in the water because the guy I was staying with knew him. They were friends. It's um, is it not Nick? No. Well, Mike is his dad. Oh, Mike okay. Leeson, yeah. Oh, okay. Nice. So, um, and he was out there set foiling. And um, so I was kind of just watching where he was going and stuff. And you can just kind of tell from the way the waves are breaking. They're not as, it's not as shallow, but um, it's definitely not somewhere you want to dive in or, 
you know, plunge in feet first. There's a lot of urchins on that side of the coast. Or head first. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, anyways, after being there the first time, I I knew it had a lot of potential. I was, uh, honestly, I, I think I saw when I was out kite surfing at this wave, I saw some guy riding in on an e-foil. It looked totally unassisted, like, and it was easily overhead wave, probably a double overhead wave. And he came in from, like, he just appeared on the horizon. (laughs) Quarter mile out. Yeah, just out of nowhere, riding these giant swells all the way in. And the friend I was there with um, was talking to him on the beach. He was one of the guys that works with Lyft and, guess out on a joyride and said he was limping in because it was in limp mode. I guess he ran his battery out. But ever since then, I was like, wow, like you can, there's, you know, you can ride these giant unbreaking waves really fast, you know? And so I knew it had potential. And then, um, uh, our friend Bobby from up in Fernandina, which we'll get to their killer shore break later. I'm sure. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Got a story for that. Yep. So he had been there, um, shortly after our bow and air trip last time this year, uh, where I did a, 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 a wing foiling clinic there. And, um, so after that bone, uh, Bobby had booked a trip to Puerto Rico on the Northeast coast, a little bit East of San Juan. And, um, found this place um puerto rico basically is i would say it's it reminds me of like hawaii or australia because it has a barrier reef like almost around the entire island you know what i mean um and maybe not on the south side there's like a lot of mangroves but that's not really known for waves i don't think uh it's mostly the the northern and eastern and maybe even western sides of the island but a lot of north swells come down so Um, he went to this place, um, at this resort he was staying and he just checked out the beach and, uh, went out wing and took his wing gear and said he was riding nice sized unbreaking swells. And it was like no consequence. They like, there was no, no shore pound, no beach break. Like they didn't really break. So like you can't get worked or, you know, thrown over the falls. So, um, ever since then, you know, I was like, I've got to check this place out. So, you know, it was winter. I think it was like January, the beginning of January when we booked it. And, um, you know, it was cold here. Um, and Puerto Rico has trade winds, consistent trade winds, um, mainly uh, fall through the spring. I think more in the winter through the spring is there is there more uh, windy time or more consistent winds. I think they get winds pretty much year round, like a lot of the Caribbean islands and their and the trade winds, especially the fir- the ones further south. Um, so yeah, this time um, we got a spot close to where he had went the first time, and um, yeah, it was three and a half days. I mean, we uh, flew in on a Thursday night, stayed Friday, Saturday, Sunday, left on a Monday night. Could have probably winged Monday if I wasn't completely shot (laughs) from winging three days in a row twice a day and like 15 to 25. So, uh, yeah, it was great. You know, it it was just like you said, the waves squeezed through a pocket of reefs and it was a head high plus just giant, like 10, 10 second period swells that just 
pop up through the reefs where there's like a hole in the reefs and they go all the way to the beach and they don't even break. It's just like the beach floods and then recesses. <laughs> it's amazing. That's so it's like the perfect depth to carry it and yeah. release the energy on the shore. And there was this, there's in, in that area of Puerto Rico, there's a lot of um, like headlands or points with a lot of bays connecting between the points and that's kind of in this area we were at in this bay that had a couple different little points in it. And so you, along with the outer reefs, you could go to one side of the point or the other to basically escape any kind of shore break. That's nice because winging and shore break. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's a rough one. I feel uh, like we're coming close to talking about Fernandina. <laughs> So let's talk about Fernandina. <laughs> so you invited me up for a wing session, um, a bit. Uh, was that an hour drive or more? I can't remember. It's it's a it's a good little trek. Did I invite you up there? Yeah, I when was that the day that you had a hard time going out? Because <laughs> I don't think I went up there that day. You didn't? No. Who invited me up there? Who did I go up there? Have with? Been Bobby and Steve and John or? Oh no! It was that I'm. That's right. I know that you've been up there a bunch, but uh, Pedigo. Okay. Pedigo yeah. invited yeah. me. He, he drove all the way up from St. Augustine. That's right. Yeah. You just had heard about it and was laughing about the story. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd, been, I'd been there once before up to Fort Clinch where that jetty is. Yeah. And yeah, I had my own experience your own, your with own their deal? shore break. <laughs> Holy shit. So this day, it was absolutely cranking wind, like kind of like our uh, session at Chumps, like cranking the ocean was macking it legit good size like some of the one of the bigger like days i've seen in florida that was still you know clean enough to be out there yeah but still like semi victory at sea um i was late i took a wrong turn and uh and i just didn't realize how long the drive was and so i shot i was about 20 30 minutes behind pedigo and and i guess it was bobby and someone else, I don't know. I didn't see him in person because they're already out in the damn water when I got there. And uh, apparently you're supposed to walk. I guess they didn't, though, that story. It was it was building. Wind was building. Swell was building. And I I, I was there too late. The guys made it out. Someone, one or two guys, uh, I think there was three guys. One guy had a, a bit of a hard time but made it out. And the other two guys got lucky and, like, slipped, slipped through. By the time I went up there, you're supposed to, like, walk up the beach and up to where the shore break gets smaller, but there was kind of close to the jetties. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? But there wasn't, it was all the same size. Yeah. Cause the jetty is supposed to shelter it, but it was not, there was no sheltering. I think it's just too straight on shore. Um, and then, and it's tidal dependent there too. Like if you don't get it with the tide, then yeah, like yeah, that, it turns that, into a washing yes. machine. On the yeah. So the higher tide just doesn't break out. or it was still breaking outside actually. It was so big, but yeah, it carries that energy and then just, jacks up on the on the beach and uh i spent you know 45 minutes and uh, three different like walk back up the beaches getting annihilated freaking put a wing through my you know uh, a wing through my wing um (laughs) and it was you know i was was in like waist deep water and sets would come and blast me all the way into like ankle deep water i just rolling getting rolled up on the sand yeah rolled up in my wing leash board hit me bouncing off my head and my back and my shins and shit and and so i was scary. this is gnarly it was gnarly it was, it was 
I guess is the hardest day I've ever tried to get out because I didn't never made it out. And I'm a pretty persistent prick, man. I like, I'm like, <laughs> if those guys, I cannot yeah. not be the guy. And there was, I'm not sure who, who was on shore, but there was also someone like filming with their phone. I'm like, great. <laughs> like getting a freaking kook reel right now and I can't even get out. And, and I was very persistent, man. I just, I just, yeah. I finally like, yeah, big hole in the wing and I was, I was beat up, man. It, yeah. That place gets gnarly. Uh, Bobby that I went to Puerto Rico with. We were, we were comparing everything to Fernandina Shore Pound. <laughs> it's legit, man. Yeah. It's legit. That's a good spot to grab a freaking booger board and just pull into some little slabs, man. It was, yeah. It was some of the juicier surf I've seen here. I know the, the jetty up there by the fort can, on more northeast winds and, and swell, it can provide a little more protection. And like you said, it might've been a little more easterly swell or something like that. And easterly winds. That's the bill I was sold. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, the angle was, I think it was too severe. And, yeah. And, you know, um, and I may not have walked far enough. I, it was a long trek with your wing and your board from, yeah. from homeboy's house where we we're parking, but absolutely. Was it John's house? John died. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know he was out that day. And one other guy, because Bobby, posted a video and it was the other guy that was just getting hammered like for five minutes just in the surf zone just wave after wave on the head and like the board pops up and like you said gets drugged back to the beach and then it goes back and it happens over and over the closest i got was i actually got to duck dive a wave but it's it's really hard to duck dive wave when you got a wing also attacks attached to just a freaking parachute and i've been just, there you pop out of the back and you're like i made I'm it good. and then yep. the wing gets caught and yep. you get drugged backwards I got all it. the way to the beach i don't got it i don't got it <laughs> freaking just you're like yeah. those guys like caught in the lip like going over the falls trying to paddle up the lip and it's just not working <laughs> hectic man hectic especially with you know with a machete a water machete yeah. like <laughs> spinning around at your head it's pretty hectic possibly a couple of leashes trying to tie you up into your machete while right. it rolls yeah. you through the impact zone hog tie and now we're gonna throw this machete at you um have you have you had gnarly shore break experience up there um the one time i went up there to meet john at his when he had a uh, he had a rental place up there right by the fort by the jetties while he was um waiting on his other house to be built or something like that and um we he kept telling me about it, about how good it was and how it would stand up, you know, on the outside and crumble and stuff. But then it was a deep trough and like not much shore break on low tide <laughs> right? Know, on the right side. Right. So we went out on low tide and came in on mid tide <laughs> and I got clobbered. Coming back in. <laughs> I tried to, you know, be patient and wait for the sets, you know, and like come in behind the set. And it still didn't work. And that's, I, uh, I was using a coil leash at the time and it actually got wrapped around my mast. And, and as soon as that happened, it just sliced the leash in half. You know what I mean? Luckily, because Bobby was telling me an experience that he's had up there not too long ago where his leashes got wrapped up so bad. He was basically kind of hogtied to his board and couldn't get away from it in the impact zone. Oh gosh. (laughs) I know. So, um, yeah, so that was really my only experience uh, winging up there. Um, but I've heard a lot of stories from those guys. That day they did like a two-mile ascend, and there was some big swells. Mike was on a very, like a, 
600 or something, a really small wing or, yeah. or some, or one of the guys out there was like a really small wing and he was, he was handling pretty well, but even he was like a bit lit and I forget what, what, uh, foil pedigo was on, but he was like, dude, I was barely hanging on. Yeah. <laughs> so, which reminds me of the, you know, our, our day in the river at chums when it was 25 to 30 and I had my uh, four or five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dude. I straight up got just pulled off my board a couple of times, like wearing straps and pulled off my board, like just rip. Yeah. Just I was those gusts. But. I was impressed you could even hold on to that four or five because I was on a three five and I was I was pretty lit in the gust, you know. Like that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was strong, man. Um yeah, that's why we just like luff it half the time. Yeah. <laughs> just let go and you know I also would almost rather be overpowered than underpowered, especially in gnarly current conditions like that too, you know, or, or even bigger waves and, and surf and shore break and stuff yeah. like that. You know, you don't want to be pumping like a hundred times to try to go somewhere. Yeah. It's got like a, like a 15 CC Johnson motor compared to, you yeah. know, <laughs> twin 40 or twin a, I don't, I don't know boats, but yeah. some yeah. You got that power to get you out of there. Yeah. It can be a little fatiguing on your arms over time just trying to hang on and not let it get ripped out of your hands. But, Oh, my shit was sore for like two days yeah. after that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I didn't, I, you know, I have a harness line somewhere. It would have kind of been nice, you know, a little harness of that wing, but, but again, like we were on foiled, you know, probably 70, 70% of the time and the tacks weren't too long. And that, that's kind of what helped me. It was, you know, long, long runs and in short tacks. Yeah. Um, tell me about your cousin, Andrew, big time winger, foiler, good dude. You guys are crack up when you're out there together, giving yeah. each other shit. So, uh, yeah, Andrew, um, for those that don't know, uh, he is currently, uh, the Southeast sales rep for F1, uh, in the Americas here with F1 America. Um, and, um, he, uh, moved down here um, a little under 10 years ago. Maybe maybe it was around 10 years ago. I can't in- quite remember exactly. But, um, yeah, so when he moved down, um, his sister, which is also my cousin, was living here at the time, and, and he kind of uh, was staying with her until he found his own place and stuff. So, uh, But, yeah, I taught him how to surf and kite and wing and um, – he actually was overtaking me in kite foiling there for a little bit. And, uh, actually I think he, he did actually overtake me in kite foiling. I don't think I know he did. <laughs> um, and so, you know, that kind of, you know, gave me even more motivation. Like I can't let this guy take me in prone foiling. And wing foiling also. <laughs> <laughs> <You> double down. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, I've got a little bit more flexible schedule than him. Uh, so, you know, he, uh, he's really busy selling a lot of gear. So, um, you're busy riding a lot of gear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that I try to stay, yeah, busy riding a lot of gear and, you know, um, yeah, it's just good to have, uh, another, you know, friend that, you know, he's, he's like family, you know, he is family. So, you know, it's, um, I don't have any brothers or sisters or anything like that. So it's nice to have somebody I'm close with that enjoys the same things that I do and that we can go have fun. That's cool, man. Yeah. You guys together are crack up. <laughs> Thanks. I think. 
What do you want to talk about, Nate? Um, what, what can we cover here? I don't know. I didn't really think about anything. Um, can we take a, a pause real quick so I can use the bathroom? Yeah, let's. Yeah. I'm gonna finish finish this beer too. Cool. All right, Nate. Um, you're a great winger, and thank you. And you've done a lot of instruction. Yeah. Because I know at the beach, um, you're like wing coach. You're so good at selecting the right size, you know, board, the right size wing, mast, like everything, all the all the details, the right size, uh, you know, wing ding, foil wing, and uh, and I've often like not heeded your advice, and it's gone wrong. And any time I have heeded your advice, it's gone very well. Um, is it, you know, is this just like it's not like you've been wing foiling for twenty years. You know, sports only burn out for a little while, but is it just all your previous kind of wind experience and surf experience and yeah, I think and so. Just being a local and just knowing knowing the area because I'm I'm still making so many bad calls. Uh, yeah, you and know, I used to not. <laughs> you know, that's the you know that's the thing with wind sports. Yeah, I uh, um I have been involved with kiteboarding for almost twenty years now, so. I've spent a lot of days looking for the right conditions and um, kiteboarding and maybe windsurfing is similar to winging in that, you know, you have different size boards and kites and or sails that you can use and possibly fins similar to foils that are going to, you know, give you different um, sensations um, and performance, you know, depending on um, the weather, obviously, and, uh, um, lighter wind, you need a bigger, um, wing, for example, maybe board and foil and then higher winds, you know, you can size down. So, uh, yeah, I would say it's basically just from, um, you know, a couple of decades of just constantly, you know, going out there and trying to ride in the wind and, um, you know, finding what works for me and, and just a lot of trial and error basically, you know, um, right. and you, I've gotten skunked more times than you could probably imagine <laughs> and that's just part of the game you know like we were saying that's that's what makes it so gratifying it's not something you can just go do every day like the gym or something you know and and you know some days when you think it's going to be great it just it just turns off like right when you get in the water yeah, like it's, it's happened to it's me. so soul crushing yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just get angry Gosh, yeah i get like so at this point and just like drive home like gritting my teeth and like I, you know, I used to also, and especially being a surfer, like I used to really hate the wind, like a lot of surfers do, especially onshore winds or side, anything that's chopping up the surface, um, which is what's so great about foiling is that chops really not a factor anymore. And, um, and it's small waves, which is great for, you know, where we're at in Florida, but, um, um, I lost it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, what are some of your best tips to to people, um, you know, just getting into the wing foiling? Like, what are some of the – walk me through some of the things you, you explain to your students. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. You know, um, having the right gear, like you said, is, is a huge um, benefit. So, you know, you can – read a lot of stuff online and see stuff in videos and stuff, but it really helps if you can talk to somebody where you're at 
for your conditions, you know, cause they vary everywhere, um, to kind of help guide you, you know, hopefully a local shop or maybe even just like a local rider or something like that. Um, uh, so that, you know, uh, you want to pick the right gear for the conditions and, um, kind of like we were talking about earlier and body size and weight too. Is, yeah. You know, pretty yeah. Big factor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, um, lighter wind and heavier riders are going to need bigger sails and boards. I often weight. see like smaller people riding way too big of wings learning because that's like the, what, you know, the consensus size wing for learners but they're not taking account like okay but that's a grom you know that's a little kid or that's a yeah. you know a, a lighter dude or or lady and they're like overpowered and they look like they're having a hard time learning and i've i've even even coached people and like you know scale down that wing and then they're they're having so much easier a time you know in prone i'm referring to prone but yeah but yeah, like it's it's relative, so relative to the body and, and conditions like you're saying. Skill level, you know, water history yeah. plays a part in it too. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What um, kind of like someone that's brand new, do you throw them on a board they can just completely stand on? Or is it, you know, do you do you coach people to recommend like knee starts? Um when they're brand new. Uh, yeah, I usually put them on something that, you know, has plenty of volume, 30 to 40 liters over their weight and kilograms, you know, so, um, it, it, <clears throat> um, it has a lot of width, so it's uh really stable side to side, um, you know, the, to where they could just be standing there hold, holding the wing or, or yeah, um, you know, it, it really depends on their background as well. If if they have more stand-up paddle experience or surf experience or something, or a lot of very good balance, you can obviously go uh, more narrow or a smaller board that maybe doesn't have much, as much volume. Um, or if they have more um, previous wind background, you know, um, sailing, windsurfing, kiteboarding, anything to do with the wind helps you kind of learn like the angles you can use and, and the, sheeting in and out of the wing to to develop power or, or go upwind or downwind and stuff like that so um but yeah um a, a bigger you know a, a nice floaty board um for most people even if they do have you know previous experience it just makes things easier to start with um like i started on a hundred liter board for example a six foot hundred liter board uh, it was 26 inches wide. That's the widest one they made at the time um, that I, you've seen me sup foil on, actually. And uh, that's why I got it as a crossover board because I was already into sup foiling. And I was like, I was using a 7.3 95-liter um, sup foil board. It was actually crossover wind surf and sup surf board. <laughs> it just dawned on me that I, would, I completely dismissed miss the fact even in the intro that um you know you wing you prone but you, you kite but you, you sup you, you used to sup a lot yeah and um <laughs> or you still kind of do in the season right and you and dave used to hit it all the time yeah and dave dave also uh guest number one of the foil the world podcast dave barachevic uh you guys pretty much learned together right sup uh, at least sup foiling yeah well, um 
like getting I, it wrong. Well, no, yeah, I started with kite foiling, so I already had some experience. I mean, just when you're foiling. adopting the stand-up foiling, it was kind of like at the same time as yeah, that's was my first foray into riding waves, um, unassisted, was on a set foil and. Gotcha. Um, yeah, right around the same time I was starting, so was Dave. And that's like kind of around the same time that Eric moved here as well. So we were all kind of like on that beginner journey. Kind oh, of together. cool. Yeah. Right. I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, you're a freaking rad subfoiler too. I think so. Uh, we didn't even talk about subfoiling at all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I um, started stand up paddle boarding. In a, I think the first time was around 2010 and um, at a demo in St. Augustine, some guys were, you know, they had them and they were doing a demo to try to get people, you know, into stand-up paddleboarding. And it was really small waves and they were like 12-foot boards, you know. And, um, but I was amazed at how easy it was to catch these tiny little waves, you know what I mean, that you couldn't surf, but right. you could or- on a stand-up paddleboard. So that was basically why I got into stand-up paddleboarding was more the riding small waves, which we have a lot of here, which developed into sub foiling, which then, you know, helped in my progression for prone foiling and wing foiling as well. Right. That's, that's funny. It's a same kind of pattern as, um, as Dave as well. Cause he was supping cause the waves are so shit and small all the time. He's like, He's like, fuck it, I'm just going to go sup. Yeah. And then, and then from there, it's like, oh, sup foiling, even better. Yeah. Well, and um, something else that reminds me of um, of sup foiling or, or, or just stand-up paddleboarding in general um, along with winging is that you're up out of the water a lot. So when the water's colder, it's a nice bonus that you're not down in the cold water totally. so much. This, so. Went, this, you know, whatever month ago, every time I get cold, I call Eric. I'm like, I'm a sub foiler now. Yeah. It's too cold. I'm <laughs> exactly. only sub foiler. I'm a, now I'm a sub foiler. Yeah. Warms up a little bit. Yeah. I'm a prone foiler. <laughs> exactly. When I don't have to wear booties, then I'll, I'll go back to prone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, so yeah, I did a, a, a lot of, Stand up. I think I even, you know, told you before we started, like before foiling was around for my light wind fun, I used to kite on a stand up paddleboard in light winds because, you know, like I saw the photo. Yeah. Like, so, you know, your board doesn't sink. So you don't need a lot of wind to just cruise around. And it, you know, it was like a nine foot stand up paddleboard, which isn't, you know, it's the same length as this longboard surfboard. And it had fairly sharp rails, so I could actually, you know, make it kind of go up wind. Not kind of, I could go up you wind, could full edge it, cruise around, and ride little waves and everything. You know, it was it was it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> F one actually made a two line sub surf kite a long time ago. I think in like two thousand and twelve or something like that, or a long time ago. And it was a it was wind sub was coming out and it, you know, obviously foiling wasn't around yet. And, uh, or, you know, only in like kite racing in Europe maybe or something at the time. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, something that they, you know, looked at pursuing was like riding stand up paddle boards and waves with a kite in really light wind basically. And I kind of got the idea from that. So right. It was fun at the time, you know, it was just something to do and, 
I've always enjoyed riding waves like in on anything like a kayak, you know, a boogie board, a longboard, a shortboard. It's all surfing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, surfing is the best. Yeah. Um, Nate, anything to leave off with? Any final words? Um, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to wing foiling or just foiling in general, uh, just stick with it. Um, I think e-foiling is a great way to learn how to foil, um, just from my past experience in, in teaching people how to e-foil. It's the gateway, it's the gateway drug, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, so, um, once you can learn, you know, or just get comfortable with how the foil reacts, um, and how to balance it, then really it's just like anything and you can, you know, just putting in time, um, you're, you're going to constantly improve. Um, like we, we were talking about earlier with the wind aspect of it, when you talk about wing foiling, for example, you need the wind. So you have to be patient, you know, and, and wait for the good days and, and try to, you know, uh, take advantage of the opportunity when it's there. Um, don't wait for the wind to pick up because a lot of times it won't. <laughs> <laughs> if it's windy, you know, go, go try it. You know, don't, don't wait for it to get better. All right. And, and it's the same with surf foiling and, you know, stuff like that, you know, like the, it always looks better down the beach kind of syndrome, you know, especially here. It's man, it can just change so fast and yeah. disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it and, uh, and stoked to see how this whole process works and, and talk about foiling. Right on. Um, we'll have to get out there soon. Haven't checked the forecast, but uh, maybe Friday. Maybe Friday. Or this weekend or something. Yeah, Friday evening. That's right. You're telling me I've got commitments. I might miss the day. Yeah. That's right. I forgot already. Damn. Well, yeah, thanks again for coming on. Um, you can follow Nathan at Nathan, S-C-H-E-U, on Instagram. And thank you for listening to another episode. Appreciate you all. Um, and foil the world.